Well, this morning, if you have a Bible with you, would you turn over to Romans chapter 12? We'll look at a lot of verses, but it's kind of a, a theme text today. Starting a brand new series on relationships, four areas of relationships that we find ourselves in. Next weekend, I'll go ahead and let you know I want to talk about parenting, kingdom parenting. So uh, if you know anybody who wants tips or encouragement or help or you just want to be inspired, I hope you'll come next weekend. But today, connecting deeply with others, connecting deep, not surface level. It's, our world's made up of surface relationships. And all the people of God said, we like it that way. No. But let me tell you, go through a trial in adversity through something magnificent in your life that you want to have somebody to share with and not have anybody to share it with. I cannot imagine. So today is kind of that annual message that I'm here to motivate, to chastise, I mean to equip, to inspire, to just push you, spur you towards small groups. It's really the DNA of our church. We have done worship now. We've completed, uh, we're about to complete a full 19 years of worship experience this September the 8th. So we've had, I looked the other day, it's 900 and a whole bunch, almost 1,000. A lot of just Sunday morning, weekends experiences in worship. But we want you to go so much deeper, and that happens only, I think, in life together when you do small groups. So I'm going to try to build a case for that. I'm gonna, I want to give you some myths. They're not in your notes. Kind of did a cute little circle thing, and you can draw errors from box uh, circle to circle. But right now, I just want to give you some myths. A myth of small group, a successful small group will not be relationally messy. <laughs> Somebody said, that's why I'm not in them. There could be tears. There could be sadness. There could be pride. There could be immense joy. There could be the possible relational connection. <laughs> Imagine that. That'd be a reason to go to a small group. You might get married. I don't know. But, uh, there's so many things, and, and they can get just messy. I mean, the spiritual life, somehow we've sanitized it, and we've tried to make following Jesus real clean and neat, and that's just the way it is. But I'm, I've been meeting with this guy for a few years, pouring my life into his and his into mine, and we've been talking about the church with the need of being authentic, and we talk about that a lot around here. So just go ahead and, and realize that sometimes you go to a group and there could be some passive-aggressive people in there because there are passive-aggressive people in the room. Sometimes you can go in there and the political climate could be hyped up. I understand. Sometimes people go, like, man, man, we're just trying to study the word, you know, and they're like, ah, they're, they're on a whole other thing. And then sometimes people just come in there and you just, you see them bleeding emotionally when they walk in. But I'm so glad they're there because where would you want to be than the body of Christ where you're accepted? And the church said a big, you're saying, well, I don't have any problems. You turn to the person next to you and go, that's not true. <laughs> no, we all have problems. We have challenges. And we pray that we can try to build these uh, venues where you get healthy. And that basically the gospel of grace, the gospel of Jesus just shows out. See, Jesus is not afraid of my pain. He's not afraid of yours. A lot of weeks, man, there's a, a, a better prayer time than others because there's some people that really bring some serious needs. Or there's some great encouragement that comes from another brother or sister or we just do life or however it happens small groups are where the grace of god trumps overcomes messiness it's a good point second one small groups exist to meet my needs now listen you could have your needs met in a small group 
But that's not why they exist or the only purpose to meet your needs. They're for you to grow in Christ, to love God, to love others, to meet the needs of others, and them to meet the needs of you. But we have had people over the years, they just showed up just to have their needs met, and then to wear everybody out, and then to go on to the next church. I'm just being really honest. Several years ago, we had somebody show up, and they were really messy when they got there, and that was fine. But we quickly discovered after about six weeks, it was there just to get all their monetary needs met. And as soon as they could exhaust everybody, they just moved on. I went, small group's a lot more than that. It just is. Here's, here's a, uh, the, the point there that I think is important. Small groups exist for us to love others with the love of Jesus. See, sometimes I'm not very lovable, and sometimes you aren't. But when the love of Christ shows up, and is present in a small group, then you get healthier. Here's a third one. Trust and transparency may take years for our small group to get there. Well, that's not true. In the book of Acts, when we read about breaking of bread, I've read, I've read that passage 10,000 times. I've never seen that it said, and on the third year, they decided to get together and break breads and praise and wine together. It doesn't say that. I don't know. Sometimes, you know what I've learned and discovered in Jesus? There's that you can connect with somebody ever so quickly because of the bond of the cross of Christ. I meet people all over the world, and it's amazing that, that common affinity with the cross and with Christ. We have a lot in connection. I hear this all the time. I have more in common with the people at my church than I do my family. Is that uncomfortable? Let's keep going. Okay. So trust and transparency. It, it doesn't necessarily take time. It's the, it's the fruit of recognizing that we're needy and we're the recipients of grace and we need to give grace and receive grace and it's cool. The fourth thing, small group members should become best friends and always take vacation together. Now, if you're showing up going, Paul, I'm going on vacation with you and Buffy and we're just going to do life together, you'd be like, we're, we're finding a new church. I mean, you might take vacation with your small groups. You might take vacation from your small group. You know what I'm saying? But some people are like, oh, I'm going to get my new bestest, bestest. I just thought that, I know that's not a word, but it should be. I'm going to get my new BFF in this group. That, that ain't true. I mean, you might. And it might be one of your closest spiritual connections. But if you come up going, I want you to make sure that I'm going to watch every ball game with this person. Well, you're probably going to be frustrated, okay? So uh, the New Testament's nearly silent here on the importance of friendships as a basis for love. We love because Christ first loved us. So we love people as they come in our group. <laughs> and, and think about it. They love you because you're in their group. And, you know, I, I know. Here's the fifth one. Small groups should focus only on Bible study, not sharing your sins or engaging in outreach. Because really, biblical, serious, New Testament community would apply the scriptures, as Blake talked about wonderfully last weekend, and they would apply the Word of God. They would hear it, they would study it, but then they would obey it, and they would do it. And as they do it, then the church gets healthier. Then community really happens. And like, God, thank you for this. So, uh, you know, a lot of times it's easy to hide behind Bible study and let your heart just stay sad and your heart stay broken and your heart stay in shame, your heart stay in guilt and never move on. My prayer this year is our small group ministry will get richer and deeper this year than it's ever been. And some of you are like, man, those are several good reasons why I want to be a part. 
And some are trying to go today. I know next year he'll talk about this again somehow. I probably will. But I'm hoping and praying that this year, sign-ups, many of you signed up last weekend, many haven't, many are still on the road this summer, travel, travel, travel. But did y'all hear? You remember when Alice Cooper sang, school's out for summer, school's in, okay? I watched a thing on him the other day, and they said, why don't you sing school's in? He goes, it don't work, okay? All right, so here we go. But school is back in, hopefully they're back at church. So small groups focus on the gospel of Christ. So let's go, to, go, let's go to this together. Look in the very middle. The very middle circle, I want you to write down, choose to grow spiritually. It is a decision. Here's a big 25-cent word. It's a volitional act of your will to choose to grow. You see, your mama, I'll go ahead and tell you teenagers, your mama, if she's a believer, your dad, they want you to grow in Christ, but they can't grow it for you. Your grandparents want you to grow in Christ, but you, they can't do it for you. They can help you, they can support you, they can bring age to help, but they can't do it. You have to choose yourself to grow. Uh, you could be growing, that's our prayer and our goal. You could be stagnating, that's just nasty, or you could be dying. <laughs> You're dead. You're dying. You're stagnating. You're growing. So just right out there today, man, growing, that's where I want to be. I want to choose to grow spiritually. I mean, that's really the challenge is if you'll take the next step this morning. I love next steps. My mind's kind of simple, and I find if, I, if it makes sense to me, maybe it makes sense by the time I get it out of my lips to you. And if you will take the next step of spiritual growth, and that will be toward a small group, toward community, I promise you, you'll grow in your faith this year. And I've seen that over and over when people choose to be a part of doing life with other believers, man, they grow. Their, their life changes. Their life transforms. They get new friends. They, they begin to learn the Bible. But it's not about knowledge. I'm like, if it's only about knowledge, then let's just don't do it. But let's go because we want our lives transformed by the love and the grace of Christ. So we're surrounded by other people that are our sounding board. They're our encouragement. They're our refuge. They're, they're our midweek pickup. I love Wednesday nights. In the summers, you know, everybody starts traveling, and we do two semesters of small groups, and some, you know, do fellowships and this and that. But right now, I'm so excited about this Wednesday night. That building downstairs, man, it is rocking every week. Oh, my goodness, it rocks. This teenager's doing an amazing job. But upstairs, I love when we rock and when life is happening in small huddle groups or they're in your homes. So uh, here's what I've also learned about small groups. When you begin to do life with other believers, Something rubs off on you. Their faith will begin to rub off on yours. Their faith will begin to help your faith. Their faith added to your faith could increase your faith. See, I don't know where you're at right now, where you're going to be six months from now, but if you're in a small group, I promise you, if you will be real, and if you'll stop your small group and say, or at the end of it, and say, hey, can y'all help me? I'm struggling in this area. I don't think they're going to go, hey, find another church. We don't care. Because it's going to be a little messy sometimes. And that's, that's okay. It's going to be healthy. Serving opportunities done right in a powerful way that all, exalts Christ. You see, if, if, if all you want to do is study the Bible, can I just tell you, if, if that's your whole goal is just to study the Bible, you know what you could do? You, you could quit coming to church. You certainly don't have to go to a small group. 
You could just buy DVDs, you could just buy study Bibles, and you could just stay home and do that. But Jesus created us to be a part of the bride, the church, the oneness, to do it with others. And when we do it with others, life is so much more. And can you just say, man, I believe that, Pastor? Do you believe that? (laughs) See, some of you aren't convinced. You're like, well, you mean, are you giving us a free pass today just to stay home in my boxers or whatever and, and, and just watch church? See, I'm nauseated by the idea. I love the concept that we can do it and we're away and we can catch up and we do it. I, I love that. But the idea of abandoning the body of Christ, abandoning the church that Jesus died for, that Jesus will come again for, that is unbiblical. Did you hear that from this stage today? I mean, community, we need each other. I cannot wait to see your faces on Sunday morning. I know you, you feel that way about me. I know I feel that way about you. I can't wait to see you. Especially when you have big smiles on your faces and you're, you're full of life or you want to share with me what God's doing in your life or you want prayer or you want, or you want to share something or you want to talk about your daughter or your son or your husband or your life or your spirituality and your growth and your development. Man, that is awesome. That, that's why I signed up for this. I'm like, God, you are so awesome small groups like going to the gym it's a place to exercise your spiritual muscles if you go to the gym you do cardio and you do weight your muscles grow if you don't do anything they they have this word it's atrophy (laughs) and they get a little jiggly and they 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 just they get flab and it doesn't happen for you but man if you go there and exercise man you grow physically but how much listen to this 1 Timothy, write it down. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Great verse. Bodily exercise is all right, but spiritual exercise is much more important and a tonic for all you do. So exercise yourself spiritually. Practice being a better Christian because that will help you not only now in this life, but in the next life too. This is the truth, and everyone should accept it, that we exercise our spiritual muscles together. Apply the Bible. Make it applicable. Knowing other believers, I mean, I just, I get excited. All right, let's, let's go. We're in the middle. Let's go up to the left. It's got Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Intentional relationships. That's what I want you to write in. Intentional relationships. I pray that you will determine this morning, if you haven't already, that I want to purpose to have some intentional relationships that I'm going to do this this year, whether it kills me or not, and it won't kill you. It's going to help you. And you go, man, I I need that. I need intentionality where other believers speak life into my life. They add their knowledge to my limited knowledge. They add their experience to my experience. They add their prayers to my prayers. They add their faith to my faith. They, you know, whatever. They just begin. I can talk about this, but relationships are always difficult. And we have to go, God, help me be intentional. Philippians 2, uh, 3, and 4. Is it going to come up on the screen? Did I put it on here? Look at, look at this verse. I love it. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, to the interest of others. I'm intentional that I want to be involved in your life and what you're about and what's going on with you, and that'll make me richer. That'll make me healthier, and I can begin to grow with other believers. So, Lord, intentional relationships for growth. Some of you have a lot of intentional like you have an intentional friend you go to the ball game with or you hunt with or you fish with or you do you play cards with or whatever you're doing i mean you, you go bowling with them. I, I don't know you wash cars together i mean you need to get a life if that's what you're doing but you're doing something with them so here spiritually i'm, I'm being intentional look, look at the next one then be devoted to one another 
Uh, let's just, uh, as we look at that, Romans 12, 10. Uh, I love this particular passage. It, it, it's a rich passage of Scripture. And I want you to underline it in your Bible. Be devoted to one another in hate. Honor another above yourselves. I misread that, didn't I? Be devoted to one another in love, in the agapo love. Honor one another above yourselves. God, I want to be devoted this year. When people look at me or they look at our church and they go, they're devoted followers of Jesus. They're intentional, but now they've gone to a place they really care about each other. They're able to go past the, the feeling level. And there's action, but how they make one another feel and what's going on. And for some people, that's hard because you, you came here today and in your life, you deal with rejection all the time. And you have a great fear of rejection that you'll be rejected one more time. And I pray by the mercy of Jesus, this year, you wouldn't feel rejected in your group. That you'd feel loved and cared for. And I, and I share this all the time. I feel like I'm a broken record. But if you want pastoral care at the highest level, you get in small groups. Like my daughter, one of my daughter's groups, I, I love it. They're the ones that have all the kids around here. I mean, they just have, you know, they man all the time. Kids and kids and more kids. It's awesome. But I love it when they have children, when people in that group have babies. We don't call them from the office and go, hey, we got a plan. Y'all got babies. We got to take care of them. They start loving one another and connecting with one another. It's awesome. It's an expression of the love of Christ because they've decided that they're going to be devoted and they're going to walk through these years together. Uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's the picture of, of Christ. Look at the next one. Intentional, be devoted, encouragement. Hebrews 10, 25. Man, in, in small group, I think you're going to find some not Eeyores. I think you're going to find some Tiggers. I think you're going to find not people whining. And there might be somebody whining. And you can just look over at them and say, hey, you're being an Eeyore. And, and that's okay. You might have an Eeyore day. If you're in an Eeyore season, you got to get past that, Okay. Like if they come in, you know, maybe you can make them a sign and just share. This is the love of Christ. Your new name is Eeyore. No, they probably won't come back. That won't help them. All right. Hebrews 10, 25. Listen, listen to the word of God. Let us not neglect our church meetings or giving up meeting together, as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Encourage, exhort, add life. Put life in other people. And I love it. I, I love the encouragers in my life. I can, I can see them from a mile off. And as they come over the hill, as they turn into the campus at Christ Community, man, I'm drawn to those people. I gravitate to people that encourage. And you do too, probably. You're saying, well, I'm a discourager. What do you do when you see me? I want to encourage you. Because there's a reason that you're discouraged. And that, that's part of being in a root. Look at this. Intentional. Be devoted. Encouragement. Let's go to the next one. Admonish. See, we've been building you up. You've been in love with the love of Christ. And now it's like, admonish one another. <laughs> now, this, is, this doesn't happen on week one, okay? But sometimes it never happens. And it should, because the Bible's quick to say that. Listen, the, the, the Word of God, listen to what Romans 15, 14 says. Or read it on the screen. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. You've been following Christ, some of you for many years, some for not so long. And as you have God's word planted in you, there could be principles and there could be convictions in your heart and you see a brother or sister in sin, 
and you help them and you get them back on the path of righteousness. And you just admonish them. It, it's, you hold them accountable. I, I like another verse, Galatians 6.1. Dear brothers and sisters here, if someone is caught in a sin, and we all can get caught in a sin, we want to run around judging each other. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently with great love and watch yourselves or you also may tempted and you may fall into that very same sin that you've been some critical and so judgmental of here's here's in my in my world pastors fall all the time across america high profile low profile they just fall they make serious mistakes and so many are infidelity or whatever and, the, and it cost them greatly and, and sometimes you, you can go to a preacher's meeting or you can go somewhere and everybody's like just hammering them and judging them. And, and I learned this years ago. I'm one step away from stupid. And so are you. And we need to be gentle with the body of Christ and help restore people back onto the path. If you'll do that in your schools, if you'll do that in your church, if you do that in the marketplace, that you help people and they don't feel such condemnation and shame, but they are corrected, they are admonished, but you're putting them back on the path, I think the atmosphere, the, the, uh, the landscape changes for the body of Christ. Matter of fact, I was studying this and I ran across two Proverbs that I want to give you. They're not going to come up on the screen. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fool, fool suffers harm. And I started going, God, help me to be wise, but help me to walk with wise people. Help our church to walk with wise folks. Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies the kisses. <laughs> Those are just two great Proverbs. So let's move. So we've got encouragement and admonish, now let's go down to that. Let's draw arrows from each circle to each circle. Let's serve one another. Then it says, you love each other, you care, you're devoted to one another, and now you admonish, now, now you help one another. In Galatians 5.13, this passage will come up. It's a great passage from Paul. You, my brother and sisters, you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. That's what Paul's telling you and, this, you and I this morning. He wants to challenge us. you got to stay humble if you want to follow Christ. And you die that you can live. It's a great paradox of faith. But now you humble yourself and you love and you serve one another. And I'm just going, God, that's a, that's a great passage for me to try to learn. And then there's another one, 1 John 3, 11. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. I know you're going, man, the Bible's full of love. Man, it is full of love. And it's full of judgment, and it's full of mercies, and it's full of wrath, and it's full of grace. I like grace. I like peace. But he says here, love. Love each other. So we admonish one another. We serve one another. Now let's look at the ne next one. We carry one another's burdens. You see, I don't know where you are today or where you're going to be a quarter from now. But it could be that life knocks you down, and your burdens are so heavy that you are down trodden you are down in your faith you're spiraling down you're hurting and the bible says throw another burden on your sister or your brother when they're down that you might push them down and extinguish them from the faith of christ that's how christians live it says no pick up a burden carry one another's burdens see when today 
It's really hit me. I'm seeing what the Holy Spirit's been doing. Today we celebrated communion, oneness, connectedness, deep depth. And now he says, carry one another's burdens. And I, you know, but you know the, the sad thing about the church? Many times the church, we don't carry each other's burdens. We're too busy. We're not concerned. We don't have compassion. And Jesus says here in Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. So, Lord, help me to fulfill your law with my friends today. Help me to sharpen each other. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It's a great men's ministry verse. Everybody uses it all across the country. But it's truth. And if I bring focus and I bring encouragement and I bring life, I make you more, you make me more. Man, we, we win. And when we win, the church wins. It's an awesome thought. Reflect the love of Christ. But here's, here's where I'm wanting to go today. Will you take the leap? Will you take the next step? I've tried to give you some biblical reasons today to connect deeply with others in the body of Christ. But it's a decision. And this morning, I know if this message rang truth in your heart by the way people respond at the tables today. Because we're going to have the leaders that are here. I know some of them are out, but there'll be people out in the foyer today to answer questions. And I hope you'll go, you know what? I'm going to respond to that message by signing up and showing up and being a part of what the body of Christ is doing. I want to dig in the Bible. I've stalled out. You, you know in airplanes, you know I'm not a pilot, have no desire to be a pilot. But you know when, they, when they're in a training and everything and they, they, they take all these things and then they dive or whatever and they stall the engine out just to see what the guy can do or the girl can do that flies a plane. I'm thinking, okay, I got enough stress in my life. I don't need to be riding around on planes doing that. But you know what happened? Some people in this room have stalled out spiritually. And you're headed for disaster. And this morning, I'm praying by the Spirit of Christ, you've been encouraged and you're going to decide to get back up. And that plane's going to start soaring back up again. And you're going to take responsibility for your spiritual growth this morning. And that's just through being in a small group. I, I love that, and I, and I see it. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, The Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. So when you and I decide individually and then corporately, collectively come together, the whole church wins. Man, God, help the church win. Help the church to be more. Lord, help me to not leave out time for daily personal time in the Scriptures, a non-negotiable. But God, help me also not to leave out time for the body of Christ, where I connect with other believers that care about my soul, but I also care about their soul, and I want to help them grow. So we exercise our faith. We serve others. Transformation makes us go to a new place. C.S. Lewis, the great English theologian, he wrote a book years ago called The Weight of Glory. And I always heard this uh, illustration, never who... Uh, whoever said it or who did it and then as i was researching this week it's like oh that's who it was listen to this he goes we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea we are far too easily pleased I love the truth of that. This morning, you could just sit out there and make mud pies, or you could have the rich banquet meal of the king. 
And I think one place that'll happen is in small group life with other believers as we move. So what's it going to take? Boldness. You'll be bold. You'll take ownership for your faith. And you'll take the next step. And in taking that step, I think you're going to go to a new place that you've never been. So let's pray together. I'm going to ask the team to come. And I just want us to just pray. Or could somebody just come to the piano, Chris? And uh, I, I, just want you to, I just want you to think about this as we're getting ready to respond this morning. Father, I pray that this morning these words, this message would not fall on deaf ears, but it would fall on ears to encourage those that are strong and those that are weak, that they would find a place to be nourished and strengthened in their faith. Father, I pray that the prompting of the Holy Spirit, not me guilting or shaming or trying to manipulate, Lord, I don't want to result to those kind of tactics. I ask that the Holy Spirit would gently whisper right now. You would whisper in the ears of people in this room, and you would give them a heart for discipleship and a heart for growth. Father, I've been learning that grace is not intellectual, but it's experiential. So help our church to experience grace expressed through other believers. Grace of Christ extended through others. Lord, move today. God, I need to see a move, a wave of your spirit. I believe we all do. Convince people today, Father, to do life with others. Because, Lord, when we choose to do life with others, they're going to be better. And we're going to be better for doing it. Father, I just, it's a simple invitation. But, Lord, I just believe that you're going to do more than I can even ask today or preach. Because you're a great God and you're certainly more concerned about community than I am. Father, help our church to grow deeply this year. Help us to be prepared with one eye looking up that you will come again. Help us to be found in Christ. We love you, Lord. We need you. And we thank you for the incredible love of our Savior, where he has pursued us, where he has called us by name. And his love has become real. God, shake this place today. Don't let it be the same. Because Jesus is Lord. And God's people gathered and said, and God's people gathered and said, Amen. Amen.